Okay, 1 o'clock, 1300, August 3rd, 2023, 1300. Sorry for you military types that are out there. Um, yeah, literally watching the TV right now, and it's a uh, former president getting ready to go on another uh, indictment. Um, wow. Uh, I mean, I'm not in the political space, and I don't really give a damn about the politics side of it. I think all politicians are a different side of it. But, um, yeah, let's it's a pretty sad state that the what's uh, you're supposed to be the best of us to represent us in it. I'm not talking about just Trump or Biden or whatever else. I'm just talking about in general. That doesn't seem to be the thing. If you ask me, um, the whole, for a whole lot of reasons, I'll just leave it at that. So yeah. Um, <laughs> what a, what a country. That being said, um, let me just do a little bit of date analysis here because I think people are not necessarily aware of some of the shenanigans that take place and that this flim flam continues to happen. So if you're not familiar with it, uh, recently there was a, uh, uh, a congressional meeting and there was folks that went to the White House about um, controlling artificial intelligence. And if you're not aware of it, basically what happened was you had a bunch of companies um, to include Facebook, Google, uh, you know, other ones that would, sh that showed up and said, we're going to help put guidelines in place and we're going to help stand up for, um, you know, the, the right controls around AI safety. And let's just see here. So heard about top AI executives visited the white house, make sure that I am, you know, uh, Microsoft, Google, uh, open AI, agreed to voluntary guidelines. And this was in the New York Times. Um, and here's some of the things that they said. And I've got the drafted agreement, which they published well on how to voluntarily handle various pressing issues related to AI. In the draft shared by the Biden administration, uh, executives at major players in the AI space companies have agreed to implement technical means for identifying AI-generated content, okay? With a strong emphasis on watermarking, disclose AI systems' strengths, weaknesses, and suitable uses, conduct rigorous security tests on AI systems before relief. I'll bully that when I see it. Collaborate and share AI risk management practices industry wide, boost cybersecurity and safeguard against insider threats. Ha ha ha. Encourage external discovery and reporting of system vulnerabilities. Prioritize societal risk research and AI with an emphasis on bias and discrimination. Use advanced AI systems to address major societal changes. So, okay, here's some points to take away. The agreement is not legally binding. It's a promise. And if you've ever dealt with people in executive roles and government, promises for them don't typically mean shit. So there's that. These are voluntary commitments with little to no enforcement, which make them non-starters. That's basically what they are. At a time when people are concerned about AI's encroachment on the job market and all forms of content and its tenuous grasp on truth or uh, usability, it's key to create actual legislation. This article is in Reality Defender. Um, next, any mention of the identification of AI-generated content in the agreement relies heavily on watermarking, which requires implementation of the tools created by those companies as well as their partners. Watermarking AI-generated content is great in theory, but its premise is heavily flawed. Only a small percentage of models creating an AI-generated content will actually use it, while the vast majority will forego it. Those models and creation tools without watermarking will allow bad actors to create deepfakes, AI-generated content, and skirt past detection systems. So 
Yes. So, but here's the other thing on the sort of date side. This meeting occurred uh, around July 24th, right? On the same day, same day as July 24th, same day as when this meeting was taking place, a bunch of these same companies that literally had executives at that meeting started saying, we're going to do other things in AI. Mm. Uh, Google is working with publishers by lending a tool that helps write articles. That was in the New York Times the same day. Uh, pretty much anyone can now use Meta's new Llama 2 model. Again, same day. Uh, OpenAI allegedly held back GTP4 image capabilities due to privacy concerns. Apple working on their own AI tool, right? Same stuff. So the point being, there's not a whole lot of truth and accuracy and verifiable honesty going on in this space. And money, like in everything else, is driving the invention, the innovation, et cetera, et cetera. So if you see these publications showing up and they say that these companies are agreeing to this, whatever, it's voluntary. Voluntary might as well be written on toilet paper. Uh, and they're not even able to put these things in control that they're or, or put the controls in place. They're trying to say that they can control. And the same day that they're up there grin fucking the government and the American people, they're also saying uh, in other areas of their business, well, we're going to do these things. And we're going to sell this service anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just literally lying to our faces and expecting no one to put the pieces together and go, wait a minute, there's something we should ask here. And I'll put the links to the stuff in this at the end of it, like I always do, but that's what's up. And it's not, um, it's not okay. And uh, we're not dealing with this stuff fast enough or accurately enough, in my opinion. Uh, and anytime I see executives from technology companies showing up at the white house, regardless of whatever political party happens to be in the White House at the time, you can guarantee that there's some backdoor deals and some shenanigans going on on the far end of it. And that's that's there. Like it, It's very, very plain to see. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's talk about this because I'm on the AI thing. This is in Tom's hardware. Uh, it's Francisco Pires, Piers, I think. But... This is something that, that people should understand when they're thinking about generative AI and artificial intelligence. And this is one reason why it's important that people understand that this stuff is not AI. It is not sentient. It is not self-aware. These are mathematical models with good algorithms and compute and process behind it. But they're not smart. They're just math. They're just things. And this article in Tom's Hardware talks about a research study that was done uh, by folks... Um, that basically said, well, what if we feed AI its own images again? How many times would it take before we start seeing flaws in the images themselves? Uh, and this study was conducted. Let me make sure that I have this correct. Uh, this study was conducted by a bunch of researchers that are super smart and know exactly what they're doing. Uh, and all of them came out and said, yeah, this is... Uh, problematic for the way that we look at artificial intelligence. And, and so this is self-consuming generative models for artificial intelligence go mad. And this is published in ARCS uh, IV or ARCS 9, I think is how they call it. But basically the premise of it is if you uh, feed AI models, AI, their own output content a few times, five times is actually what it takes. 
they start generating really weird, fucked up results. So think about that from the perspective of artificial intelligence and people believing that this stuff is sentient and self-aware and super smart, and whatever else. If after only five iterations of its data that it's been fed by itself, it goes haywire and bonkers, is that system really that smart? No, it's just math. Like that, there's perturbations that occur that will cause those things to go sideways. That's what people should understand. Um, we've got all the freakouts about AI and fucking robots taking over the world, and whatever else. There's not. We're not there. There's no general AI. We have not created a sentient organism. So know this. Um, it's the truth. It's it's what it is. Don't tell. I, I don't even think we should tell people use the word AI, uh, generative AI. Okay. Large language modeling. That's much more accurate. So yeah. Um, following on from that, uh, if you're ever need proof that, you know, people kind of bail on cyber, there's an article in the guardian, uh, from the UK. Uh, talks about Capita boss quits as potential fire looms over a huge hack of confidential data. John Lewis, the CEO, is stepping down as troubled outsourcing firm reels from a cyber attack that occurred back in March. So it's August. This occurred back in March. The CEO of outsourcing firm Capita or Capita, whatever, Capita, I don't know, C-A-P-I-T-A, is stepping down as the company reels from a cyber attack that could result in a hefty fine from the UK's information and privacy regulator. Uh, the company said John Lewis would step down by the end of the year, making way for Adolfo Hernandez, the vice president of telecommunications at Amazon Web Services, to come in as the CEO. The handover was announced uh, while the company is still recovering from the impact of an attack by Black Basta Ransomware Group, okay, which hacked the company's 0365 and accessed the personal data of staff working for the company and dozens of clients. Um, Capita, or the company, said Lewis was not paying the price for the company's vulnerability to the attack that began in March, but instead delayed his retirement to lead its response to the crisis. Mm -hmm. um, but he's still leaving. Uh, so is that, I mean, great, he delayed his retirement to stay in, but is he bailing as soon as before the fines will become a thing? So, I mean, we've seen this with a lot of organizations where they could just slide by uh, and they'll, you know, the, the executives get the golden parachute and walk away. You know, the 0365 vulnerability that they're talking about, pretty bread and butter cut, you know, and dry thing. Um, should this individual be able to walk away with all that they're getting when they're supposed to be in charge? I think that question should be asked. You take the job, you're responsible. The buck stops with you. Uh, there is an article in... Uh, RUSI.org. I think it's Rusi or Russi or something, but um, 31 July. It's a long read. It's about three megabyte file, pretty substantial, but cyber insurance and the ransomware challenge. Uh, you should read this. I'll put the link in here, but a study examines the role of cyber insurance in addressing the threats proposed by or posed by ransomware. Uh, it talks about why ransomware is a thing that it is. It talks about the low cost and entry for cyber criminals. Uh, and then the prospect of punishment, which is essentially non-existent. Um, this, you know, talks about not advocating for a ban on payments, but it talks about the ways to deal with uh, ransoming and those types of things. Uh, and the recommendations when you read through this is what was interesting to me. 
they offer, I think it's like seven or yeah, about 10 recommendations. And I'll just give you the, the broad scope here, but go read this thing. So increase oversight of ransomware response. Insurers should use policy language to require that insurers and incident response firms provide written evidence of negotiation strategies and outcomes. Interesting. Develop and drive ransomware response best practices across the market. That's already been done, but okay, sure. Insurers throw some more stuff into there. Uh, UK government should commission a study to improve its understanding of specialist ransomware response firms. So if you're standing up a company that does ransomware response, the government's going to start looking at you. Increase reporting of ransomware payments. The UK government international partners should explore creating a dedicated licensing regime regime for firms that facilitate cryptocurrency payments on behalf of ransomware victims. Okay. Reach a market-wide consensus on what constitutes a reasonable last resort before a ransom payment is made. Insurers should agree on a set of minimum conditions and obligations in ransomware coverage to ensure alternatives are explored first. Mm-hmm. Uh, increase ransomware reporting and ensure victims are able to access any relevant law enforcement and NCSE, which is UK stuff, uh, support. Uh Trial integrating the NCSE's early warning service in their ongoing assessments of policyholders. Yeah, this would enable the insurer to distribute intelligence from early warning at scale and notify policyholders of potential ransomware attacks. So are they recommending that insurance companies act as MSPs there? Because that's kind of a lot what MSPs do, MSSPs. Deepen operational collaboration with the insurance industry. Uh, NCS, you should seek to recruit second Ds from the cyber insurance industry is 100 cybersecurity secondment scheme. I don't know what that is. It must be a UK thing, but um, all right. Increase reporting of ransomware payments. The home office and NCA should ensure that existing financial crime reporting mechanisms, specifically suspicious activity reports, which we have in the US financial system, are fit for reporting ransom payments or money laundering linked to ransomware. Hmm. I mean, there's a logical things that I think make sense in the context of what should be potentially valuable in a ransomware negotiation. But a lot of it seems like it's the insurance agencies trying to figure out how to get additional government oversight and push more um, control to the government so that they can go, well, we're not covering that payment. And when they start talking about insurers getting into the early warning system and whatever else, um, well, that's weird, but maybe that would be a thing. I don't know. If you're an insurance company and you want to do that, go buy an MSSP. Like I know you guys got money, so that would be an easier way to do it. There is a report in Halcyon. Uh, this is Halcyon.ai. Ransomware command and control providers unmasked by Halcyon reporters. This was uh, August 1st. Uh, Halcyon research and engineering team has published new research that details novel techniques used to unmask yet another ransomware economy player that is facilitating ransomware attacks. Uh, the C2C command and control providers who sell services are in indicated in this one. In, in this report titled Cloud Z with a chance of ransomware, nice. Unmasking command and control providers, C2Ps, Halcyon demonstrates a unique method for identifying C2P entities that can be used to forecast the precursors of a major ransomware campaign and help people shift the tax left of boom. Uh, Halcyon also identifies two new previously undiscovered ransomware affiliates that are called Ghost Town and Space Cook that are currently deployed by Black Basta and Royal. Um, okay, so sure. 
Uh, the report also describes how the same method can be used to link to ransomware uh, affiliates to the internet service provider Cloudsy, which accepts cryptocurrency in exchange for anonymous use of its RDP virtual server. Okay, so there's, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out pretty quick when you see a cloud service provider, Cloudsy, by the way, if you're using or touch Cloudsy, I would go check that out, that accepts cryptocurrency, shady, uh, and uses uh, anonymous use of RDP and from virtual private server. So shady, shady, shady. Yeah, uh, let's see. These groups are tied to Chinese, Iranian, North Korean, Russian, India, Pakistan, and Vietnamese governments. So basically everyone. Uh, unlikely pivot point, namely RDP host names within the metadata of an affiliate's attack infrastructure. Okay. Uh, Cloudsy, which is a provider, accepts cryptocurrency in exchange for anonymous RDP and VPS services, virtual private server, and is a common service provider supporting ransomware attacks. So if you see anything in your infrastructure or network traffic that re resolves to something related to Cloudsy, shut that shit off. Uh, Halcyon also identifies a long list of government-sponsored APT attacks spanning several years that appear to be using Cloudsy services, where it is assessed that potentially 40 to 60% of the overall activity could be considered malicious in nature. Hmm. So FBI folks and, uh, you know, you see some people go shut Cloudsy down, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw this link to the report in there as well. So, um, throw that into Uh, Comcast published a pretty interesting uh, giant volume of data recently. Comcast, uh, this is Ariana Lynn. This is on fast mode. Comcast Business Cybersecurity Threat Report analyzes 23.5 billion cyber attacks on their customers last year. Let me say that again, billion, not million, billion. The uh, report leverages data from 23.5 billion attacks spanning 500 threat types and 900 distinct infrastructure and software vulnerabilities that Comcast Business help customers navigate and sheds light on the new threat matrix and strategies adversaries employ to access enterprise networks. Now, here's the takeaway. Key themes. Now, let me blow your mind with this shit because you've never heard this before. I'm being sarcastic if you can't tell. The majority of breaches now originate with users of internal and external resources. Duh. Um, yeah, approximately 67% of all breaches, all breaches in 23 billion instances, Start with someone clicking on a seemingly safe link. Say that one more time. 67% of all breaches start with someone clicking a link, which explains why adversaries begin 80 to 95% of all their attacks with phishing tactics. Shocker. Adversaries' use of reconnaissance tactics underscores the importance of only accepting network connections for requests from trusted sources. Huh. Well, what would it, what would we call a strategy that doesn't allow untrusted things to connect to my network? I wonder if there would be like a global initiative and strategy that's broadly adopted that might answer that question. Hmm. Maybe not trust or no trust or less than efficient trust. I don't know. Something like that. Another shocker. Remote desktop has become an increasingly targeted vulnerability. No shit. Uh, RDP brute force attacks, customer logs documented 54 million attempts to exploit RDP credentials, 54 million. Additionally, bad actors capitalized on vulnerable RDP configurations 185 million times. 
Yeah, unauthenticated, unauthenticated users also exploited vulnerabilities in the TCP protocol, the transmission control protocol, and made 139 million attempts to establish connections to victim servers, RDP servers. Furthermore, credential stealing malware uh, contributed to 159 million attempts to steal credentials and use those to infiltrate or infiltrate compromised networks. Hmm. Wow. So well, passwords and phishing. I never, ever heard that passwords and phishing were a thing that would be used in compromise. Actually. Luckily, we have massive industry built around phishing training that must be just solving this problem. Has to be. Adversaries continue to exploit the log4j Apache vulnerability. Patch your shit. Uh, remains a significant threat due to widespread deployment of millions of Java applications, leaving a staggering 72% of organizations vulnerable to this exploit, Apache Log4j, 72%. Uh, 105 million Log4j exploit attempts were made in fiscal year 2022, so pretty well-targeted thing by regularly updating systems and operating, operating they call this optimizing operating performance. Um, patching is what they ought to call that. So, yeah. Um, look, just go look at this report, download the thing, read through it. It's not super crazy to understand this. Like there it is. This is pretty clean cut, clear. I don't know how much more proof folks need. Um, I don't know. Uh, the white house on July 31st published a fact sheet. Biden Harris administration announces national cyber workforce and education strategy unleashing America's cyber talent. Uh, I read the full strategy. It's on there. I'll throw the link in here. But basically, um, here's some takeaways. So the NCWES, uh, which is their strategy name, is positioned to empower every American seeking to participate in our digital ecosystem and underscores the need to fill critical roles in the space. Uh, the approaches outlined in this NCWS will supplement the administration's ongoing efforts to grow and strengthen middle-class working families, okay, including through the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, CHIPS, and Science Act, and the Inflation Reduction Act. With the release of NCWS, the Biden-Harris administration is working to fill good-paying middle-class jobs. Okay, so I see they're saying that if this thing is in place, they can hire more people. Um, okay, maybe. Uh, many communities currently underrepresented in the cyber workforce do not envision themselves in cyber jobs or are not aware of the tremendous opportunity to, the, to join this important growing workforce. Absolutely. This initiative focuses on empowering Americans to pursue these career paths in cyber, uh, which is good. Many of these jobs are attainable with a certificate or community college degree. Yes. And available in local communities and across the country. Cool. So hopefully this works. This would be great to get more, uh, you know, junior and middle class people into the space. Um, but it goes a little haywire when you read further down into it. Uh, yeah. So NCWS emphasizes that no one actor can alone affect the needed change at scale. Uh-oh. This means all stakeholders, including educators, industry, government, and more, must all execute on the objectives set forth in the strategy. Uh-oh. So collaboration bureaucracy starts creeping in here. We will leverage adaptable ecosystems to affect change at scale. This is a whole of nation effort to spark support and state for state and local ecosystems for cyber education. Okay. Enable the lifelong development of cyber skills. Sure. Grow and enhance the cyber workforce through improving its diversity and inclusion. Absolutely. Um, we need more of the diversity and inclusion. We need people that aren't just the typical middle-aged white dude, ex-military person. And that's me. 
get more people that aren't me. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And then it starts talking about how they're going to do this and where they're going to go. And then they talk about the commitments and all the money that's been allocated. There's $24 million from NSF cyber cores, which has got scholarships. The NSA is in here. There's a lot of private organizations, DOL, OPM, Veterans Affairs, CISA, uh, let's see, Women in Cybersecurity, CyberSafe, SANS, uh, Trellix, uh, which I think used to be McAfee or something like that, uh, NPower, Task Force Movement, Checkpoint, Black Tech, Mass Bay Community College, Accenture, uh, Aspen Institute, Dakota State University, MasterCard, uh, so there's a bunch of organizations that have jumped into this and said that they're going to chime in good. I hope this works. I would love to see more people from other communities become part of, uh, what's, you know, what is a great career field. But, uh, the moment you start putting a lot of faith in all these organizations to collaborate and optimize and play nicely together, you're kind of being a little bit diluted, but hopefully we'll see it happen. I would, you know, if I can help with this or if I'm, you know, connect to somebody that can get them into the space, great. I think more more is needed. Uh, lastly, on MSN.com, and this article really, I think, speaks to the insider threat problem and the need for analytics, right? It's exclusive. Pentagon investigates critical compromise of Air Force communication systems. This is by Thomas Brewster. Uh, FBI communications may also have been compromised by an engineer working at Tennessee Air Force Base, a search warrant reveals. Uh, but, but, but the Pentagon is investigating what it called a critical compromise of communications across 17 Air Force facilities by one of its engineers. According to a search warrant obtained by Forbes, the document also details evidence of a possible breach of FBI communications by the same employee who worked at the Arnold Air Force Base in Tennessee. Uh, the government has been tipped off by a base contractor that the 48-year-old engineer had taken government radio technologies home, effectively stealing them for his own use, according to warrant, which alleged the amount was about $90,000. When law enforcement raided his home, they found that he had unauthorized administrator access, uh-oh, to radio communications tech used by the AETC, which is the Air Force uh, Education Training Command. This affected 17 DOD installations. So bad. The AT is one of nine major commands defined by the Pentagon as interrelated and complementary, providing offensive, defensive, and support elements, according to Air Force HQ. Yeah. Uh, but here's where the insider threat side of it should be paid attention to. Um, according to the warrant, witnesses and co-workers told investigators that the suspect sold radios and radio equipment, worked odd hours, was arrogant, frequently lied, displayed inappropriate workplace behavior and sexual harassment, had financial problems, and possessed radio equipment. A colleague had twice reported him because of insider threat indicators and unauthorized possession of Air Force equipment. According to his LinkedIn page, the suspect has a long history in cybersecurity as well as radio comms. Uh, yeah. Um, so this is one of those things where the, the question about whether or not you monitor your employees and this is on a government site so this stuff showed up somewhere guaranteed because we've been on those systems and i can tell you they monitor the shit out of what you're doing but people just keep turning a blind eye to it and hr doesn't want to get involved and whatever else but if you're providing solutions and you're providing people access to infrastructure and computers and whatever else you have every right to say we're going to look at what you're doing and if things don't add up like behaviorally financially, whatever else, ask the question, engage with law enforcement. This could have been stopped way before it became a thing. 
maybe it would have been stopped before this individual ever got to the space of being a frigging criminal. If somebody had just said, look, you've got problems. We'd like to help you. And we noticed this from our variety of telemetry data. Um, and let's go ahead and, and solve this problem. But because folks turn a blind eye and no one wants to hurt someone's feelings by saying we're looking at what you're doing, it gets really bad really fast. This happened with Robert Hansen. This happened with Manning. This happened with all, all these folks inside a threat. Like, it's not wrong as a person in charge of infrastructure or a CEO or whatever to say we're taking in the telemetry that we need and we're using it and we're going to make a decision based on that if you are a threat. If you're not a threat, if you're not doing stuff that's indicative of a problem, maybe your machine or something is infected and people are, you know, leveraging your system to cause access or, or cause compromise. But it's okay for folks to look at what you're doing. Um, I can guarantee you that no one gives a shit about the porn that you watch at home. Um, now, if, well, unless it's, you know, the wrong type of porn, which is a weird thing to say, but you know what I'm talking about, the you know, the kitty stuff, which, yeah, but if you're on a network or a system and you're doing weird things, like in this particular case, you see somebody accessing stuff they're not supposed to access. You see them taking gear home. Um, they have a really bad attitude. They talk about bad finance problems and whatever else. They're, that's indicators of an insider threat. So you go off and investigate. You stop their access. You do those things. Worry about the HR fallout later. If it was me, that's what I would do. But this happens repeatedly and people sit around wondering why this shit continues to happen. It's not rocket science. It's because you're unwilling to enforce the policies that you put in place. And in the government, when you log into a system, this banner shows up that says we're monitoring all this stuff on you. So there's no way to not have this um, legally covered. Anyway, I got other stuff to do. Other people to harass. Uh, it's 29 minutes. Thank you so much. If I can help, please reach out to me. I will put the links into this. Go check out other stuff um, and, you know, do the right thing as always. Stay smart. Stay safe. Stay secure. Have fun in Black Hat. It's going to be hot as hell. I won't be there, but enjoy. Um, and I'll catch you on the next one. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.